welcome back to Anything But A One, Adventures in Historical Miniature Wargaming. With nearly a hundred years of combined game experience, you'd think they'd be smarter. Anyway, here's Tom Castaños, Richard Martinez, and Ray Winstead. Welcome back to Anything But A One, Adventures in Historical Miniature Wargaming. So as usual, it's myself, uh, Richard Martinez, and Ray Winstead. Remember, you can uh, like this podcast or certainly subscribe on whatever your podcatcher is that you use. Rate us if you can, five stars. It helps other people find the show. Uh, If you're following us on Buzzsprout, go up to that little heart button at the top. Click Buy Us a Beer. A little bit of funds go a long way to the kind of tech glitches and problems that we had And you can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash A-B-A and the number one. All of that goes a long ways to making this show possible. This stuff isn't free, and uh, we really appreciate the support of fine people like our guest today. Um, Came down and ran some fabulous games for us, or played one of our games and ran a fabulous game of Alter Freedom for us. And that's Alan Spencer from Heart of Texas War Gamers. Alan, how are you today? Hola! Guten Tag! Bonjour! And for Tom, because I know he loves Star Wars, Kiwanawanga! Yes, and that's all we're going to hear from Alan today. Alan, thanks for being on. You're done. You're welcome, man. You're done. That's right. I, I can't, it gives me so much pleasure on every May the 4th to post that meme with Alec Guinness saying, I hated this movie. But anyway, um, Alan, you had some ideas about, you know, you are, um, as we said in our last show, really, really, really uh, good at putting on games for other people. I mean, you are organized, you have outstanding setups, you recognize the value of uh, the aesthetic of putting on a game for other people. I mean, it's appealing. It's some, it's a table that people want to come to. It's a, t- it's a table people want to play at. So today you wanted to talk a little bit about running games. In particular, I'll let you take over from here, running games at conventions, I guess. Tell us your idea. Well, okay, well, first, thank you for all the nice compliments and the stuff you said on your last podcast. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. Sure. Uh, but today we're going to turn the tables, as Tom says, and I'm going to interview you guys on the category of convention games. What do you want? So I'm going to open the floor and it's going to be in um, uh, a few categories. We're going to talk about uh, demonstration games, participation games, tournament games, uh, game masters and referees, players, expectations and participants, uh, GM and player expectations. So uh So I'm just going to start with the demonstration games. Um, As we are speaking, the Joy of Six is ongoing in Great Britain. And our good friends at Little Boys TV are over there, and they're doing all their good stuff. Uh, That's on my bucket list, but, you know, that's going to have to be a very deep bucket before I get there. (laughs) Yeah, yes, yes. Um, Maybe we can carpool. Yeah. Uh, so you got still one of those old things that you could drive across a lake and uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, we'll, yeah. We'll get Richard's son's car. That, anyway, I, never mind. I think the yeah. James Bond car that was a submarine was up for sale again. I think I saw that the other yeah. day. We're up at LBJ. They've got LBJ's uh, uh, amphibious car that he had made that he used to putter <laughs> around the Perdinalis River on. So anyhow, go ahead. Please. Oh wow. Okay. So um, in, in uh, the UK. Um, their demonstration games, uh, typically the author or the company is selling it and running a game. And the typical style of British games convention is that they show you how to play, but you don't get to play. What do you guys think about that? Love, like, hate, Mm. and why? I think I'd rather play. (laughs) I, 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 I'm one of those people that I learn more from doing it than I do from just having it explained to me. There's there's a point where if you just too much ex- exposition and my brain just starts to shut down. I, I at some point I need to push some miniatures around for it to really gel. 
I think I think I agree with with Ray. Mark the tape, right? I agree with Ray. Um, <laughs> I think that just having to explain, yeah, after about five, six, maybe ten minutes, like my brain's full. I gotta, I, I'd want to do something. I would say that may have been a nice idea back in the day, but now with you know YouTube and the way to to, to queue up uh, different game systems and, and tutorials there. Um, I can do that on YouTube, uh, maybe not on the topic that, I'm, that, that they're talking about on that day, but that would be a more appropriate venue for that. Because then I can stop it, pause it, rewind it, yeah. go back and look at it. Um, so yeah, I would think that would not be my ideal game to participate or t- way to spend my time at a convention. You know, to last Millennium Con, um, Rich and I played uh, Battle Group with Rob Wobbenhorst, mm-hmm. um, who actually we'll hear from in the next episode. Um, and he had a take on that where he didn't do a demonstration game, but he had a super, super small intro scenario before the actual game we played. So everybody got to like move a piece and roll a dice and look at the chart. And then we played the actual game that he intended for us to play. So that wasn't a demonstration game, but it was like a warm-up round, which was kind of helpful. Right. Well, I think Alan took place in that one. That's right. You were there, too. I'm not trying. I'm sorry. Because, you're talking to the, you're no, talking to the crowd Because, there. again, because Rob tried to kill us after that game, <laughs> my memory's a little blank on some of it. But, no, you're right. I, I get you. I, I, I really do. We have consensus here. I'd like to play, not I'd just that's watch. That's a first in itself. It might be. Right it there. truly might be. Yeah, that the planets have aligned. And now it's going to get bad. <laughs> I think it's one of the signs of the apocalypse. You know, gonna really, <laughs> it it's kind of like reading a rule book, and I can't count how many times I've read a rule book from cover to cover. Think that's easy. I know how to play this. And the second I start pushing miniatures, I realize. I don't really know the rules at all. Or how many times when you were reading rules, do you go get some miniatures out and like set them on the kitchen yeah. table and like move them around and right, go, uh, right. oh, oh, yeah, that's it, what he it's means. It's just something about actually yeah. pushing the miniatures around. It, it connects you to the game again. Or I was going to say, pull out the charts and work through some imaginary little scenario or combat, you know, a situation that makes you apply the rules. Yeah. And... Yeah, I, I sort of agree with you guys on that because uh, not everybody is the same type of learner. Some people are audio learners, some mm-hmm. are visual, some are tactile. So, uh, like you, like you, Ray, I, I reading the rules, I get some things on it, but unless I actually am moving something around, I really don't grasp everything. I might grasp the, an upper level, but how does this actually work? I won't know until I can actually push some things around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like all the individual pieces you understand, but when you try to put them all together into one coherent whole, you realize there's gaps in between there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, that. All right, let's go. Let's. All right, was, was, so, go ahead, Rich. I would say, Alan. Without that, I think uh, I, I'll preface that by saying. I wouldn't be opposed to like dropping by and looking in for 10 or 15 minutes, you know, and then yeah. get my, my curiosity satisfied, move on. But to spend like the whole time, a lot of time, an hour and a half, two hours, probably not. Okay. Uh, let's go on to the next question. What do you guys think a demonstration game needs to have in it to be successful? Hmm. Okay. I'll yeah. start with this one. If I may, um, a well-designed scenario that allows all the participants to actually participate. You know, I think it's interesting to say, oh, I'm going to refight the battle, blah, 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 or whatever. But if it's a situation where it just, the happenstance is that player doesn't get on the board till turn five or whatever, it's, it's cheating that participant a little bit in that thing. So I think you have to think very carefully about how a game plays out that everyone gets an opportunity to actually mix it up and roll some dice a little bit. That, yeah. that would be my thing. I, I agree. What? 
I'm stunned. I'm stunned with all the agreements. I mean, we're just going to stop this thing. Going for beers. There we go. That sounds good. That's always that's always that's always in the plan. Yeah. I I would think a demonstration game should be. um, It kind of goes to what Tom was talking about. Designed purposely designed to highlight the most important parts of what that game system is. I've been in demonstration games where you're kind of, you know, pushed up, you know, almost nose to nose and you're already kind of starting in that combat situation. If that's the part you want to highlight, if that's the part that's important in that game, then then, yeah, you would want to schedule it for that. Not where you spend all your time just maneuvering up and then right when you're ready to get into the action. That's that's true. The, game, I think, the time's called. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a game that is designed from the point of view that you are actually going to go through at least one complete turn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it has to be self-contained enough that, you know, if you've got four people playing, that those four people don't get halfway through a turn and then you don't have any more yeah. time to finish it. Because- so two games that I played at Millennium Con last year both fit that category. So um, ESR... Mm-hmm. I maneuvered, 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 and the game ended. And oh. that's maybe we've talked a little bit. Maybe that's that game. Um, and then, then the a very first Altar of Freedom game I played was a Gettysburg scenario first day, and I was like Oliver Howard. I don't know whatever the core is that came on after Reynolds Howard. Yeah, it was Howard, yeah. right? Yeah, and uh, I walked up in time to see the Union cavalry streaming right. off the field. It's like, well. <laughs> Boys were going back tomorrow. Yep. Yeah. And so it, yeah. And again, I, I see it, it was a well run game, but I think in that element, you really want to try and make sure that everybody gets a chance to participate. Yeah. Because yeah, really I, you're trying to sell the game, aren't you, when you do that? Yeah, you you need a scenario where the focus is on getting through a turn and not actually the scenario itself. Right. The scenario is very secondary to yeah. and, and I'll contra- something that, that gives you a chance to exemplify each different step of the game. Yeah. Agree. I, I, I will contrast this, the examples Tom gave with a, again, Millennium Con uh, demo game that I had a chance to sit in that Pickets Charge uh, game that was doing Black Powder. <laughs> Um, now my experience with that was that, it, you know, you were kind of already lined up nose to nose. I mean, it was like, you know, go in, go in for the final charge and you got to highlight the important aspect of that. You know, you had shooting, you had combat right away off the bat right? and it didn't take a ton of time. Cause that's another, I think it's another important part too in a demo game is you don't want to spend half the time just trying to explain what the base rules are. You want to do a quick synopsis and then you can get in yeah. so you can highlight the mechanics, kind of learn as you go. Uh, and that game, it succeeded in doing that. In, in fairness to all the crap talk we've done about the pickets, the same scenario that you and I played the next yeah. day, that part was true. You did play the game. Now it might have been yeah. uh, we might have had a weird experience, but you rolled dice and moved stuff and things. But shot. it does bring up something that, even though that really wasn't a game that was intended to teach the game it does kind of bring up a point that I think needs to be said. I think there needs to be a limited number of people at the table because what bogged Mm. that game down when Tom and I were playing is one end of the table had no idea how to play the rules and they, everything focused on them. The guy was trying to teach them the game. So all the rest of us were sitting idly around waiting for them to catch up with what we had already done. Yep. Which if you're trying to teach a game that if you get too many people and you're trying to teach too many people too far apart, you know, cause we were 18, yeah, 20 feet big, apart big at table. the time. Yep. That's not going to work. Yep. You, you know, you need a more self-contained group so you can mm-hmm. kind of talk to everybody at once. I think time. that's an important point. Yeah, especially if it's demo. You yeah. assuming yeah. most people haven't played the game. You're you're just launching or introducing a game system. Most haven't probably read the rules. Uh limited number of participants would be important. Yep. So you can get get going on that game. You guys still there? Yes. Yeah. Can you okay. hear me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Cuz everything just got real quiet. Oh yeah. <laughs> we, we were we were we were 
Okay. Okay. All right. Well, so we're going to go on to uh, the next set of questions. This is about participation games, which we normally get involved in when we go to a convention. What parameters do you guys use to decide which participation game you want to get in on? Ooh. I have two. I have two also. <laughs> okay, go go for it. Topic, the subject matter, if it's something that catches my attention, I, I tend to gravitate towards certain subjects, naval warfare, things like that. Um, so the subject matter, and I'm generally going to gravitate towards something I haven't played because I want to experience something that I haven't done yet. Yeah, it's an opportunity before you plop down the money, $50 on a set of rules to decide exactly whether you like it mm -hmm. or not. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've got two. I, I don't count. I may think of more as you guys I, go I, on, I, but I have two liberal <laughs> those two popped into my head. I have two liberal arts degrees that didn't require math, so that was kind of... Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think... I don't know. I'm torn on this one, and we've talked about this before. On one hand... I want to learn something new. I've been introduced to some great games like Blood Red Skies and Altar yep. of Freedom. And, you know, and, and I, that was great. But it's also fun to go play a game, you know. I like playing Bluker with you, Alan, when you put on your games because That's I'm, true. I'm not a, a expert at that game. We've never played it many, many times, but I at least kind of know what's going on. So when you go to learn a game, you expect that you're going to spend your time learning. So I, I think it's 50-50. I guess I have two. It's 50-50 for me. I would like to have about half of my games be something that I learn something very new. But at least a couple of them, it's fun to go actually play something you know so you get in there and just really just rough it up. But yeah. you know, that was part of what attracted me to your Blucher game is the fact that I hadn't played it very much. And it was an opportunity to actually go play the game again um oh. the fact that it was so early in the morning actually <laughs> caused us a great deal of debate on how bad we wanted to do it but that became another topic yeah. that we talked about yeah. how well i'm glad you guys made it yes. <laughs> yes. we are too we are yeah. too rich what are your two um they're they're very similar to what you no, talked about so. tom i i have uh i split it into two camps there are there's some portion of time where i want to spend time learning uh game systems that i've heard about but haven't had a chance to play um and so i do want to learn and experience new things kind of make my decision on do i want to go ahead and uh, uh pursue investing in that in that particular rule set and if it requires new miniatures miniatures um, but i also have this this tendency to want to play games that i've played before but maybe don't have the time to do over here and i think uh, the Blucher examples you stated are, are, are very relevant here because we've played Blucher here, but um, we've only played it on the, as a card-based system. And right, so yeah. when Alan runs his games, we get a chance to see the full you know full effect. It's got miniatures. It's, it's got color. Yeah, it's got terrain. It's not just we threw a mat, we, we threw a a a game mat over a, a a lump and called it a hill with a bunch of cards on it. So it's much more pleasing you know, to play in those yes. kind of experiences. And I think you, I, I think that's probably a better way to put it than I initially put it. It's not that I want to play something I haven't played. It's I want to play something that I don't get to play very often. Yeah. yeah that I, I'm going to gravitate away from games that we play all the time. Yeah. And, and I think because that speaks, I get to play those all the time. Correct. And, and Alan, I think that speaks to one of the reasons that we've all played together for as long as we have. We're not hyper competitive gamers. I mean, we get very competitive amongst us, but I've never wanted. <laughs> Richard. Yeah. <laughs> but I've never what? sat here trying to plan my perfect strategy to go trash somebody at a convention. Yeah, no. You know, that's <laughs> well, that's of, true. You know, that that's and and there are people that do, you know. The the idea of tabling somebody doesn't appeal yeah. to me. It, Obviously, it, you guys never played the Ancients tournaments back east because that's no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, in okay. fact, I gr actually gravitated away from those after yeah. I, I went and saw a couple of them. I just decided this is not 
Well, I just saw a great post on Facebook about them trying to get like a, a bolt action league going here in town. And I went, ooh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, and that's great for if you love that man. I, I love to see it. I love to see the participation. I love to see people out gaming. Mm-hmm. That's just not something I would participate mm-hmm. in. But go ahead, Alan. Okay. Well, let's go on to the next thing. What breaks the fun of a participation game for you? You're at a convention. <laughs> the participants. What breaks no. the fun? <laughs> no. The guy who reached across the table to move my army for me. That one. That's a good one. <laughs> That's yes. a big faux pas. Yeah. yeah. There's there's certain game etiquette that has to be <laughs> that has to be followed. Let me move yeah. my own stuff. <laughs> Here's my old guy. Let thing. me play my own turn. I don't need you to come over and play my turn for me. I I, I will now really consider take into consideration even a game that I really want to play if it's in the big room in the middle of the day. Because yeah. I'm of, I'm of an age where it's <laughs> hearing is not as good as it once was, and all of those kinds of things, and and being in a shouting match across the table because the other games are very boisterous and I can't hear what's going on, uh, that's sadly something I have to consider now. Yeah, and to no uh, you know, detriment to those other games that are going on, right. they're having a good time. Sure, not it's, holding that against it's them. logistics of the venue that put so many close together yep. that didn't allow for that. Yeah, I did. My yeah. my enjoyment was reduced because I struggled to hear. What I wasn't was going even on. playing the game. You're talking. I know the game you're referring to. I yeah. was sitting there as a participant, and I was participant as an observer. Yeah, and I had to leave because, like, I can't understand what anybody's saying here. Yeah. Because it was just so loud. Well, it was a bad. Com- it was a bad combination of a very talented host with a very soft voice. Yeah. Next to the <laughs> next to the soccer hooligans, right? You know, right, so it right. kind of was. You know, um, yeah. The venue, the way they put it in the venue, and, and even though this is probably beyond most organizers' control, lighting plays a big deal now because, like. Tom's hearing my eyesight's not what it used to be. Um, yeah, you know, playing so in a dark, dingy corner is no fun. <laughs> yeah, it, you know there there are some venues where the lighting is it just very much a strain on my on my very weary eyes at this point. <laughs> yeah, I I think for me uh, things that bring down that gaming experience is when and it kind of goes to what Ray was talking about a little earlier about the, you know, moving your, some guys moving his, his troops. If it's a <laughs> learning game and yeah, there's like this ultra competitive person that's just, you know, win at all costs, even if yeah. winning means I'm going to, you know, magically not, no, not magically, but purposely not tell you what all your options are, that kind of situation. Cause I'm there to learn the game. If it's just an introductory game or a demo game, if it's a tournament, it's a different situation. You assume that you all know the rules and you know how to play to the, the best efficient use of your, your army. But if it's learning, I'm here to, to, to be told, here's how you do certain things. And when those are excluded, because someone's trying to win in those situations kind of reduces that joy for me it, in that experience. And it's a lot of it, like you said, is how it comes across. I think because you know, we're all gamers. I, I think trash talking just goes yeah, with Yeah, it goes gaming. with the territory. And, and, you know, Richard does tend to be the more competitive side of this. But it's different playing with somebody who is competitive and somebody who wants blood. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> you know... The guy who's glaring at you across the table, who's who is forever taunting you and forever telling you exactly what you need to be doing with your stuff, and it, it they're yeah, he's, he's playing you, level. not the game. There you yeah, go. Play you, not the game. There's an intensity level that really just kind of starts to bring the whole like. And that's part of why I don't like playing tournaments because that seems to bring, especially if you put prizes into it, it seems to bring that behavior out more. You know, trash talking is is no big deal. We all do that, but 
There's a yeah. level of intensity that starts to ruin it. All right. Well, I'm going to go to the next question for you guys is mm-hmm. what games would you like to see at MCON this year, even if you're not going to play in it? In other words, you just like to see it there. Ooh. Oh, good question. I, I think, I think I, I'll start with a, a genre of games. I'd like to see, even though I've seen it in the past, like last year or this last one that we saw, I finally saw a game there of it, but like more pike and shot games. Um, yes, that is a, a, a. It's like three years in a row we've tried to get in that game, and I know, it's like the I first know. day it's, it's gone. It's like, yeah. it's like yeah, it's like four people, and it's like fills up fast. Um, it's just a time period that I've always found very um, uh, compelling to want to play. Uh, we haven't played it enough, uh, and love to see how other other groups, other people handle certain situations that we know have become conundrums for us in our game set. But I'd love to see some more pike and shot type games. Definitely. And it seems to be popular enough oh, yeah. that they always seem to up. fill up. At least the same four people. And they always <laughs> seem to fill up before anybody ever really gets a chance to try to play it. So I don't know why there isn't more of it. But, yeah, that's definitely a thing. I think I'd like to, to see some more ancient stuff. I'd like to see more Stuff ancients. along the ancients line. Yeah, yeah, uh, not any particular set of rules, but things of that nature. So I'm going to go. Uh, little, I'm going to go a little yeah. more specific. Yeah. So one, and and I know this is near and dear to your heart, but I I would like to see Rommel played. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one I have, and it's one I have things for. I'd like to see that played. But you know, uh, specifics, I'd like to see like Clash of Spears and Mortem and Glorium, some of those yeah. ancients games that I see becoming. Looks pretty popular that around and to about. Be very but popular, but I haven't yeah. had any experience with it. I don't even know anybody who plays them, but it's I hear people popular. talking about them all the time. Yeah, it's pretty popular up in the Austin area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. I, it seems like think- everybody I know knows somebody who plays it. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Tom. No, I was going to say that those are the ones that I would really, because I think one thing in, in all the years that I've gamed, I really never did much in the way of ancients. Only very recently have I dabbled mm-hmm. with it, with things like mortal gods and now with a little bit of hail Caesar. So I, I'd be, I'd be curious to see more of that, Yeah, but definitely the Rommel is a thing, like I said, because I have those rules and I have miniatures I can use for, it. um, as soon as um, Sam Mustafa said that when he designed it, he was using his Flames of War men, just like, oh, hell, I'm in. I have <laughs> yeah, millions of those I'm not using. Yeah. Okay. Well, and this actually comes up to my next question. What scale of miniature do you prefer to play in at conventions? You caught us in a bad time if, if on any. that question there, <laughs> Alan. <laughs> yeah. There would have been a time we had very specific answers. I think we're all, I know for me, I'm all over the place. It, it really comes down to what, for me, what type of game uh, are we looking to play for that that set? You know, is it skirmish? Is it large scale? I, I'm all over the place. I'm anywhere from six to 28, depending on what you're trying to. Whereas you'd asked that five years ago, it was pretty much exclusively 15. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I can't give one answer to that. I'm for me, it, it, my first answer is 28 because I came into this hobby as a modeler and I like building the models and I like the miniatures, but the reality is more and more I've gravitated more and more to six millimeter because the games I like to play just don't lend themselves to 28 millimeter miniatures. Mm. And I've, it's been very hard for me to accept that, but it's true. I like big games playing large forces. Did anybody else hear Sir Mix a lot? I, did. Right there I, for just I was a thinking second. the same I thing. Like big games and I can't deny. <laughs> I like big games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I never pictured myself as, as, a sergeant or a lieutenant, you know, I'm, you know, I've always pictured myself as, as a general or a marshal or, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I 
I get you. Nope. I, I totally get you. Nope. Six Nobody plays Napoleonics to be Marbeau. <laughs> <laughs> There's my random remark of the day. But but I'm going to take this a slightly different direction. So I, I agree with everything the guy said. And personally, we are moving into those smaller scales and fewer bases like we talked about in the last episode that it's your fault. Um, and, um, you're welcome. <laughs> but, but when I go to a convention, I like playing with the 28s cause now it's, it, here's That's a difference. True. I get to do what I'm not going to be able to do mm. at mm. home. Right. So it's way fun pushing around the great big miniatures on the great big table with 10 other people that make enough people to play the game. That, that pickets charge game was beautiful. It, it, yes. In 28. Um, I'll never be it, able to do that. The only downside to it was the nature of the game as we played it that day. The table was too big for the guy who was running the table to be able to control it well. One end of the table got way ahead of the other end of the table, and it just all kind of fell apart. Logistically, he should have been sitting where I was in the middle of the table, so he could have worked yeah. both ends. I mean, but that table, that game could or, have worked. Or it would have it worked did, did if work there our, had been yeah. if there had been two people running the game. Yeah. It yeah. probably needed a second person. So for the size game that it was. So yeah, just for the funsies. But the idea was excellent. The just for the funsies, I like looking at the twenty eights and moving with the twenty eights mm -hmm. because again, I. It's, I don't know. It's like it's certainly impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. You know, again, it, it's, I can play a game at home, but it's never going to be that game. So it's fun to participate in that monstrous yeah. thing like that. Yeah. And most of us don't have that kind of space at home anyway to throw on something like that. So that's true too. I, I, right. I, I'm cool with that. Yep. Um, yeah. So I'm going to shift to another topic and sure. I'm going to first start it off with uh, do you got, have you guys, ever played or currently play in tournament games and i know we've talked a little bit about this but just wanted to get your answers i i don't i i've i've never done it and it's there's no appeal to me personally to do it because i am a historical gamer um and i don't this is all just personal preference uh what they were talking about when they were mentioning the bolt action league here in San Antonio. And the guy said, and he was very honest and upfront. He goes, yeah, this could be a situation where your Japanese are fighting early war French or whatever. And that, that ruins it for me. I, and again, just me, I play this to play yes. historically. So you could have, it's possible to have tournaments that stay with the historical sides, but that's the first thing that turns me off about it um, because I don't play competitively. That's not a, there, there's just not a lot there. Yeah, the for idea me. of blue on blue or red on red kind of takes away a lot of what appeals to me in the game. So, yeah, I agree with you completely. I um I haven't played in any historical tournaments. Um, I have played in tournaments before um, with fantasy uh, type models. Yeah. I would not be, I I'd like to, I mean, I am still gearing up to want to do it. I always seem to suffer from the, uh, the, uh, bad effect of not having enough stuff <laughs> to play in an <laughs> historical, uh, uh, tournament, but it's something I'm very much, uh, uh, disposed or yeah, disposed to playing in. Uh, I think is once you begin playing in those circles, I think you make another set of, uh, friends and, and it really, you wind up playing with a lot of the same people that you know, too. In no sense, especially if they're local tournaments. Um, but yeah, it's something that I aspire to still. So I hope to one day, very soon, play in one, but I haven't as of yet. Yeah, okay. I, Richard and I both came from a fantasy Warhammer 40K kind of background. Actually, in the and middle, right? We started historical, there, we drifted. To, yeah, we, we started we out started doing historical, strictly, drifted over and there. Then that just kind of went away in Warhammer and... 40k just kind of took, took over, over everything for a while and now we're back and, and <laughs> I, I i had some very bad experiences early on in tournament gaming and so i just shy away from them completely now i i'm not i'm just not cut out for that level of gaming it, it doesn't appeal to me 
Yeah, okay. I, I I know I was fortunate. Uh, I never really had. Ray always seems to get the bad draws when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> I do. Uh, I don't know. You know, what pickets, it is. charge, tournaments, it's all there. But no, you I, know, I get the guys that sit across the table with this this like glare in their eyes, <laughs> and they just stare right through you. And whenever you move, they like growl a little bit. At you know, see, whereas my my typical experience with a tournament is I get to play someone like Oscar. We all know uh, Oscar who oh, yeah. plays there, and he's just he's just a fun guy to have a yeah. tournament with. He's there laughing with you and cheering you on just as hard as you know you are with him, and so it, it makes for a pleasant experience. And so I haven't had, yeah, I've been fortunate not to have had those experiences. I haven't been tainted. <laughs> okay. Uh, so this is a question whether you've played tournaments or not, uh, but dropping out of a tournament because you have no chance of winning. Opa, or do you think it's understandable? I, I think that's a faux pas. I yeah. mean, you're there. I, I, I would play it through. Yeah, if, yeah. if I had actually entered the tournament, yeah, I right. would actually play it all the way through. Yeah, for sure. And plus, the way I see it, I don't game enough anyway. I mean, that's just a more opportunities <laughs> to game. And so, yeah, right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. There's something to be learned, yeah. even in a game like that, you know. But yeah, I think you got to play. Well, through. and because plus, yeah. we always, I think we all go into it in the premises. It's not just for us. Meaning the, 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 that's know, true. The only for me to have fun. It's there right. to have that enjoyable experience for both sides. And I know if I drop out, that's going to take away the enjoyment from someone right. else who I was partnered it, with. And it that's not fair to them. It kind of screws the whole system up. Yeah. 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 And I've actually played in, in a tournament. Granted, I don't do that anymore, but years and years ago where uh, uh other team just dropped out, we actually had a chance of winning, but because they dropped out, we got a default score which meant oh, we didn't yeah, that. get the maximum that we could get, and therefore we had absolutely no chance at all. They had no chance at all of winning, but if we had won really good against them and other people had done really bad, we actually had a chance, and they just sit and shut. Yeah, you but know, you, Alan, you, you sit and describe that. That ha- The one experience I had at a tournament, is it almost mirrored that. Uh I uh, didn't realize at the time, it wasn't in those after the fact, but I was in the last game I was playing. I, I guess I marched out to such a huge lead that the guy conceded by like turn two and I, and I wasn't able to meet all the objectives and get all the points. When that final tally happened at the end, I think I wound up coming in second. Like I lost it like by two points. Uh, but that was my first tournament. So I still had a great time, met a bunch of great yeah. people, but I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, I have to say this, that, that, as this goes, I've been sitting here making all these speeches about how non-competitive I am, but I'm sorry. In, <laughs> any, in any game, I am not going to lay down and die. I may have no chance of winning, <laughs> but in the last game, even if I can't win the tournament, I'm still going to make every effort to make my oh, mark yeah. on the last person yeah, I played. Right. It's like the NFL. You're, I, the you spoiler. you're the spoiler. That's right. I'm yeah, at least going to try that. to go out with one win <laughs> exactly. on, right. on my roster. <laughs> yeah, completely okay. agree there. All right, guys, let's, uh, we're going to change topics here and talk about game masters and game mastering. Okay. Um, what are the top three things that, in your opinion, define a successful game master at a convention? And we're going to start with Tom this time because he's always going last. Okay. Um, organization. I mean, you, you, you've got to know the game. I don't want to have someone running a game that I know more about the game than they do. Um, just a, a little bit of forethought in assembling, and, and something, Alan, you do very well, assembling little player packets and things that, that have all the pertinent information for them, for their units. Or I've even seen in your Blucher games where you have some like dispatch kind of information that's, you know, that's cool. And it gives a lot of flavor and feeling for a game and, and someone who's, who's stern that can actually run the game. If you've got the game. Yeah. Yes. If you, no, you don't have to be mean, but if you know, the game is for everyone's enjoyment. And if one person's, monopolizing whatever that you can kind of keep them in their place, you know? So, um, 
And, and and to add to what you're saying, I, I think they need to be very clear when they're house ruling something into their yeah, game. That's because we've, we played with a lot of people who present a game as, as being out of the rule book, but then situations come up and the guy says, oh, yeah, well, we kind of changed that. Well, yeah. you know, we kind of need to know that up front, not... You explain on the turn that it comes up. You explained the clock in Alter Freedom to us when you played gave, put on that game for us in just a matter of minutes. And I played the game for four hours at Millennium Con and never understood how that clock thing worked. Yep. You know. And again, that that's a pretty crucial part of that game. Yeah, it is. You know, it really, really, it really kinda is. It kinda is the game. It is the game. It really is. You know? <laughs> so yeah. yeah, so know the game. Be able to really run the game, and those that put in those little bit of extras, the little player packs and things like that, it really makes for a neat, neat experience. So, so those would be mine. Um, mine's like a little sub. One of mine's a little subset of what uh, Tom talked about. One is being able to know the game, uh, but if you know the game, being able to articulate what that is to your other players. I mean, so I need someone who's articulate and can explain things clearly uh, to their audience. And then my second criteria would be having patience to explain that game set out. Um, you know, I would not want to be in an experience where have an experience where I forgot something or I didn't do something. He's like, I told you this is what happens at this point in time. And it's like it's a learning experience. And so some, there's got to be some latitude there. So I think, yeah, they need to be stern and have a control. But like Tom said, not mean to the point where you're assuming that I said it once. Therefore, you must know it now for the rest of the, the rest of the experience. So those are my yeah. two, articulation and uh, patience for the, for, the, for the learning that's going to be occurring during that game. Yeah, okay. and, and I think the only thing I would add, so I pretty much agree with everything the other two guys said. The only thing I would add is somebody who actually shows some enthusiasm for the game that they're running. Um. I haven't played any games with anybody who's who's mastering a game that's been distracted, but I've watched other games where people are playing it and the person who's running the game is distracted, talking to his friends or talking to other people and the game that they're they're trying to run seems to almost become an afterthought and after a while, you know, sometimes the players just kind of take the game and run with it themselves and the yeah. guy who's game mastering that, that, it seems to be yeah. coming into it later wondering what's <laughs> like, going I'm gonna on that beer i'll be back <laughs> yeah so yeah so, you gotta you gotta be involved in the game that you're trying to run i think that's very important okay well then what do you guys think the prime issues for a prospective game master should be considering i mean you besides the ones that we just talked about when they're getting ready to go and host a referee game before, be, long before they get to the convention, what should that prospective game master who wants to run a game? And by the way, I'm going to pitch for Lone Star Historical Miniatures uh, Millennium <laughs> Con. The game master's uh, registration opens on July 15th. So start thinking about it if you haven't already. Go ahead. I'll go first again. As someone who spends my, my day job telling stories, um, Know what you're wanting to present. You you kind of have to have a theme and a goal. Now, it, it's a game, and there's chance in the game, and you don't know how it's going to play out. But you've got to come into it with a very clear idea of what you're trying to present and and rehearse it. Play it out with other people before you get to the, to the game itself. And, you know, test all your little sidebars, or if you're doing a house rule or things like that, don't just fling it out there and you know and like spaghetti and see if it sticks to the wall. You've yeah. got to be prepared. Yeah. Anything I, else? I think for me, Rich, right? Yes, yes, Alan. Um, and it, it kind of it's it's it folds under what Tom was talking about. For me, when because I've thought about when when I if I were to put a game on at Linicon, what I have to do, and to me, a lot of it goes into scenario design. And that goes back to what Tom was saying about knowing what you want to showcase in your game. We know it uh, at conventions, you have a limited amount of time, two to three hours at most. Will your game be completed or at least completed enough 
in that time that everyone was able to have an enjoyable experience. I don't want to, you know, I wouldn't th- think of designing a Beluga snare where I'm going to refight Leipzig in a slot where <laughs> I have two to three hours yeah. to get it done. No. So, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, so we want to be able to uh, ha- make sure those objectives that you're wanting to, to uh, showcase are accomplishable in the time that you have. Yeah, I, I, you have to be aware of your audience, the, the people that you expect your game is going to attract, um, how long it's going to take to teach them, and how much time you actually have to do it. And actually come up with a scenario around that because you need to have something where you at least get through one full turn. You know, you don't necessarily have to play any number of turns, but you got to at least get through one full turn with enough detail and explanation that the people feel like they walk away with an understanding of what the game is about. Okay. Uh, let's shift topics to participants. What would you guys say to a new participant to manage their expectations when they're attending a convention game for the first time? This is, I'm not talking about a child, somebody's child, you know, is with their parent. I'm talking about an adult shows up and they heard about this. They show up, they want to play a game. What do, what would you tell that participant about managing their expectations? I think two things. Be open-minded and be patient because game mastering a game with a bunch of strangers is not an easy job. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Definitely patient. Open-minded patience, yeah. We're here to have fun. That was going to be mine, Tom. I was like, have fun. Have fun with it. Don't take it too seriously. I mean, you may, you know, this is, if it was their first time at a convention, uh, yeah, just don't. enjoy the ride. I mean, you're going to meet a lot of great people. You're going to see a lot of great ideas. You're going to see a lot of great armies and time periods. Just have fun with it. Yeah, you're there to experience the game. You'll be, if you enjoy it, you'll be buying the rules and playing the game yourself later. Right. Just be there to experience the game without any pressure. Yeah. You know, just absorb it. I think that sums it up really well. Okay. So what would you, in part of that expectations, what would you tell them are the absolute do's and do nots for participating at a game, at a convention game? Ask questions. Yes. I would agree. Ask questions. Participate. Don't be afraid to talk with your teammates, opponents, game master, you know, because you've probably never done this before. Right. I got to, I got to don't, don't don't take things personally. Oof. Yeah. Yes. And don't get overly competitive in a game that you're just now learning to play. Yes. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think those are good. Yeah. Just, it it all kind of comes off that same, just have fun sort of thing, but yes. Yeah. But, but ask questions. I mean, you're, you're not going to learn this. Don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed that you don't know what this term means or whatever. I mean, you maybe never played. Mm Mm-hmm. Seven years war before whatever you know and you'll this is how you learn mm-hmm. it's absolutely how you learn yes it's all about the experience it, it, when you're doing this it's so what do you think the game master's responsibility is to the participant and in reverse you know what's the participant's responsibility to the game master hmm. game master's responsibility is know the rules be prepared um, and, and have enough understanding of explaining it to other people that you can do it well without wasting a lot of time because time is short at conventions. Um, yeah, true. Keep it moving. Yeah, you're you're explaining, you're teaching, you're laughing and having fun with the people, but you have to yeah. keep it moving. Particularly back to that point that everybody should get the opportunity to mm-hmm. go through the cycle. Um, yes. You know, th- that's knowing your rules, being able to make a decision on the fly if you need to, to keep the game moving rather than stopping and flipping through the, I mean, that's a huge thing. You should know the yes, rules anyway, got but to know the rules, but at the moment you got to have the hoots, to, to make a decision and keep the game moving. 
Yeah. From the participants' perspective, I think, and it falls in it, it falls into so many same categories is uh, be open and be flexible. You may go in knowing the set of rules that you're going to play, but as Tom and as Ray were ta- were talking, if the game master makes a decision for the good of the game to keep going. As a participant, you don't want to argue about it. You don't want to, you know, stop the game because, nope, that's not how the, you know, page 57 says this. Just go along with it. It's just that was, uh, that's what's going to help this situation move forward. And so be accepting and be open with that. Yeah. If you're going to make the game yours, if you're taking it seriously (laughs) enough that you're going to make the game yours and you're going to take this game and you're going to run with it yourself, there is Plenty of time for those arguments later. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> As somebody who's been GMing quite a bit, you know, over the last few years and stuff that I've been down here, I, I would add one more is that if at some point you realize that you've made a mistake as a GM, say so. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Say so. And if you realize it after the fact and you happen to see some of the gamers who are at your table at the convention, Stop them for a second and say, hey, you remember that ruling? I realized I was wrong. And I just want to let you know this is what it should have been. Exactly. Okay. Because a lot of those people are there to learn the game. Right. You or just, to get a good idea of what the playing that game is like. Right. Like the telephone game. You've just set in motion someone teaching 100 other people the wrong way to do it. Yep. 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 All right. Uh, I'm going to go. This last one is a bit of a thing that I have seen people have to go through and especially uh, a lot of these questions I wanted for folks who really haven't been to a game or, you know, this is a new experience at a convention, et cetera. When is it time in your opinion for a participant to get up and walk away from a game and not return to it? I'm not talking about, you know, uh, I had a bad die roll, but when, when would you say no, I'm getting up and walking away from this game. Two bad die rolls. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tom's case, it's all day. But um, when when your anger, frustration gets to a point where you're starting starting to focus on people around you, I think is the time that you need to walk away from the table. Whether it's the person who's game mastering it, whether it's another player, you know, if at some point when you start to feel like you need to tip a table or throw some miniatures, (laughs) yeah, that's, that's when you need to walk away. Definitely. I think they have medicine for that. Yeah. Yeah. I know some people that need to be on it. Toxicity. You know, if it's, I can have fun getting my butt beat in a game. It's happened many, 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 <laughs> many. times. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing, I'm participating, we're laughing, like, oh, my God, how bad can these die rolls get? Blah, 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 blah. Never saw that coming, got flanked, whatever, ha, ha, ha. But if there's this, this actual toxicity, this actual venom that's coming out, life's too short. Yeah. I'm going to be out at that point. You know, it's like... It, it, our Pickett's Charge came, came close. I I stuck the game out, uh, didn't walk away from the table, but if you remember, I just kind of withdrew from the... At, there was a point where I it realized... Very passive, right? Yeah, I, I just kind of <sighs> sat there and let the guy play my army for me. I just kind of watched him play against himself and declare himself <laughs> the winner at the end of and, it. and the loser, too, I guess, right? He played against himself. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't think he acknowledged the fact that he was playing. Oh, I don't okay, think he okay. realized he was playing my side, but he kept moving my stuff for me and telling me, you know, well, you need to just go ahead and do this and it move everything for me. Yeah. And after a while, it was like, okay, you know, it the other game had kind of the rest of the game had gone down a whole different path at the other end of the table. So I just kind of, I just kind of sat there and kind of watched everything yeah. that was going on at that point. Um, so for me, it's, it's, I think Tom stated much better than what I was going to state it as uh, to me, it's more than just having fun. Cause again, I think 
uh, at a tournament and just gaming in general, you have an obligation to your opponent for both sides to have an enjoyable time. So if I'm winning, I'm having fun at it, but you know, it's still going along. I still see playing in those situations. I was going to say the only time, and I'm granted never even gotten close to this or any kind of feeling about, uh, uh, about this having have happened to me. Would it be if it gets personal and insulting i think yeah. toxic toxicity is a better way to state it if people are making personal insults or everyone's <laughs> just against you and, and, and insulting you in some way yeah life's too short you don't need to stand for that and that would be really the only way I'd i think walk you know away. when the trash talking is not in fun anymore right right you know there there is a sense when you know that, that it's it's Taken on a whole right. new level. Like, yeah. when you, like when your allies are trash talking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> your mom is so fat. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Them around, yeah. Um, yeah you it, know, there. Just kind of put this in perspective. Uh, there was a time when everybody at this table here, we all were that hyper competitive gamer, and we had many games once upon a time where. People would walk away from the table and not speak to each other for days on end <laughs> because of war game stuff. And I think it was that that we all just kind of looked back on it after yeah. a point and realized it was how silly. Stupid. We're, we're yeah, playing with it, toy it, soldiers, but it still requires maturity. Yes. <laughs> and it, it, it took us all a while to get to the level where when the bad stuff really happens, when all the die rolls are going wrong, when somebody does something that just really frustrates you in the game, that you could actually just sit back and laugh at it and go, you got me on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maturity, crazy you know, idea. There was a point where we would get really angry at each other <laughs> because of stupid things that happened, or even just rule disagreements. Uh, that was you know, way back in our early 50s. I'm kidding. <laughs> farther than that. But, no. Yeah, my early 60s. Actually. <laughs> We're not quite. 1960s, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> you know, it's the time of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So um, I think I'm just going to add a little part on that in there is because uh, I've seen it creep into a couple of games. Not that I was in. But I've seen it creep into some games that I've been around where uh, a person was starting to get, well, the toxicity level, it was becoming personal. It wasn't in jest. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the, there are two situations that could, that should have evolved out of that. One, the game master should have stepped in and quashed that like a bug right yeah. then and there. Yes. The second part is, um, and the other person may was probably not mature enough to know exactly what they really wanted to do or should have done. I could see them getting frustrated and mad, but it wasn't my game table. It wasn't whatever. I would say to somebody who's participating and this happens to you, respect yourself, respect yeah. yourself just to get up. Well, if a game master is not going to step in and it's not going to put a halt to it, or is even the cause of it, just respect yourself and get up and walk away. Because uh, you don't deserve that. This is supposed to be a hobby for fun. Mm -hmm. This is not supposed to be where we're actually ripping each other apart. Yes. Uh, You know, based on who we are, uh, however you identify yourself. And Uh, I think you also just hit on another important quality of a game master that none of us touched on. I think a game master has to be willing at some point to manage personalities at the table. Yeah. Uh, not just the game, but sometimes you actually have to manage. A, you know, there's a point where you may have to ask somebody, you need to step away from the table. Yeah. I think yep. that would be very rare, but you're right. There are times where if it's going to ruin everybody else's enjoyment at the table, you've got to have that um, that final say, right? Yeah, and that, yep. that's not something that everybody can do. I mean, some nope. people just have yep. are not able to deal with personality. 
Well, guys, that's all the stuff I have uh, to ask you. And I won't say that this was completely altruistic because, I'm, <laughs> because I am in the process of formulating my games for MCON and the Heart of Texas Wargamers did just finish their vote on one of our games. So I will be running my Avalon Hill uh, uh, Battle of Midway. Oh, right. uh, cool. with, mini- with miniatures at his uh, Millennium Con. So that's right. one of my games. I'm not sure what the other games are going to be yet. Cool. Cool. Well, no, and I'm glad that we can offer some assistance, and I really appreciate your time. Because, and it's been interesting. It, yeah. It's given me a lot to chew on myself here. to think about, right? Yeah. Awesome, Alan. Thank you so much. Uh, Alan Spencer, we put a, we'll put a link again in the show notes to the Facebook page for Heart of Texas War Gamers. Um, Chantel, see us out, please. This has been Anything But A One, Adventures in Historical Miniature Wargaming. Subscribe on all major podcatchers and please rate and review us. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash A-B-A and the number one. Patreon.com slash A-B-A-1. See you next time. <laughs>